are so thankful that you're a good father, that you're a friend that's sticking closer than a brother. We love you, Lord. You are worthy of our best praise. We glorify your name. Jesus' name. Listen, before you're seated this morning, greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Tell them how glad you are to see them in the house of God. So thankful that you're in the house of the Lord this morning. Glad you came to a place called praise. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Revelation. 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 We're going to start there. We're going to finish there. That's why I'm going to leave you there. Revelation. And just go, as a matter of fact, just go ahead and flip to the very end. Go all the way to the end right there. Revelation 22. We're preaching a series on Jesus. How many are thankful for Jesus? It, thankful for Jesus. Revelation chapter 22. I'm preaching subtitle this message this morning, Jesus, the Alpha and Omega. He is the Alpha and the Omega. It's so interesting to me over the last several uh, days, I, I have just asked people, what does, what does that mean? And they usually will quote this scripture in Revelation 22 verse 13. Oh, that means he's Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I'm like, you're absolutely correct, but what does Alpha and Omega mean? And, and I, I think it's so important for us today that we understand when Jesus takes the time to identify himself, what he means by what he said. And, and to start this, to, to introduce this topic today of being, Jesus being the Alpha and the Omega, I, I think we, we ought to just break it down to understand our culture and our understanding of America and, and the English language. Listen, the initiation of every American educational moment has and will always be built on what we describe to be the alphabet. There is no way for you and I to communicate without the alphabet. The reason why you and I are able to talk today, the reason why we're able to read today, the reason we're able to write today is because somewhere along the way we have been adapted, we have adapted the language called the, the English language and it is the thing that everything else exists around. And in order for us to do that, very quickly we had to learn the alphabet, the A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, my kids, N, M, N, P. Q-R-S-T-U-V, W-X, Y-N-Z. Now I've said my ABCs. Next time, don't leave me up here by myself. Hallelujah. Listen, you cannot read without the ABCs, the alphabet. You cannot write without the ABCs, the alphabet. You cannot speak without the ABCs, the alphabet. You cannot comprehend without the ABCs, the alphabet. You are not able to understand anything or really even truly engage in American society or the English language without grasping and having a working knowledge of the alphabet. It's so important that you and I understand the alphabet that we can't understand Spanish. Spanish, we cannot understand French, we can't understand those languages because they too have been grafted in to the standardization of the alphabet of the ABCs. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, well, Chinese, man, they put symbols and, and all of these other things. You're absolutely correct. But in order for you to understand it, 
They have to take the house with the dog on top and communicate to us what the symbolisms are. And in order for you to grasp it, they have to communicate it in what we have created is a standardized way for us to learn called the alphabet, French and Spanish and, and ma even mathematics. And you say, well, well, we can communicate with numbers. Yes, you're absolutely right. But you can't communicate with numbers if you don't know what the numbers mean. So I have to take it into this standardization called the alphabet and put it into a way you can understand. And the alphabet, watch this, it becomes the filter by which our existence and our culture exist. I cannot grasp the culture without understanding it through the filter of the alphabet. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 22 verse 13, I am the alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and I am the end. I am the first and I am the last. You need to understand the context of this today. Jesus is in a Greek, a Roman Greek society. And the, the standardization of the language of that day was not English, it was Greek. And Jesus comes in on the scene and he speaks to John getting the revelation at the end of the book, letting us know at the very end of the book, the, the, the book he says, I want you to know I am the standardization for how you must filter all of your reading, how you must filter all of your writing, how you must filter all of your understanding. You can't do mathematics without filtering it through me. I am the alpha and the omega. In the Greek, the word alpha means what we would be equivalent to A. Omega would be in our language the equivalent of Z. Jesus is so God that he says, I need you to understand if you want me to help you understand who I am, I'm A to Z. I'm A, I'm the B, to the C, to the D, to the E, to the F, to the G. From the H to the I, to the J, to the K, to the L, to the M, and then a P. No, that's about as, you know, I can't go, my mind's here. He says, you, you want to know who I am? I'm A to Z. I'm Alpha and I am Omega. I am the A to the Z. That if you're ever going to understand how to read society today, you're going to have to filter it through me. If you're going to understand what is happening in the chaos and the climate of our culture today, you have to read it through the context of me. I'm A to Z. Watch this. Not only am I A, not only am I Z, but I'm everything else from A to Z. What I love about this is he says, you can take S and you can take A and you can put it with T and based upon who I am, you'll understand the context of the thing called sitting. But you can't take the thing called sitting to understand who I am. I am the A to the Z. The things that I create are not the things that help you understand who I am. You got to understand who I am, and then it'll make sense what I create. He says, so I'll take what you did at 18, and I'll put it what, what you did at eight months, and then I'll cup it with what happened at 38, and I'll create a word over your life. But you got to understand, it was me at 18, it was me at eight months, and it was me at 38. And it doesn't matter how I jumble it all together. If you're going to understand and read what I'm doing with your life, you got to understand it through the filter that I'm the A to Z. He says, 
I am the, I'm declaring that I am the only measure by which any real understanding about life, past, present, or future, can really come from. I've heard so many people over the course of ministry say, I just don't understand why God would allow this. No problem. You're just getting a letter. It's just a letter. This is not just Alpha. This is not just Omega. This is a letter to help you understand the word he's trying to write over your life. Well, I don't understand. You don't have to understand. Because if you understand who he is, you can trust that even with where you are, you are safe because of who he is. That there's no letter happening in your life that didn't come through the sovereign fingers of God first. I'm the A to the Z. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, and I'm the thing by which, which you must filter all things. Now, that's a very audacious statement. But you have to couple Revelation 22, 13 with 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 27, look at this. For he has put... A to the Z. Write something, read something, name something, none of it steps on him. Everything is under his feet. And when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him. Speaking of the Father, that God the Father may be all, talk to me now, I'll preach for three hours. That he may put it all in all. Jesus says, I'm everything. I am the all. And everything that happens in your life, if you're going to understand it, you got to filter it through me. So you got to make sure you put the all in all. Yeah, okay, you didn't get it. Alphabet. I need you to put the A-L-L. -L. Jesus is the A to Z. Well, guess what? He's the A, and he's the L, and he's the L. So it doesn't matter what L you're going through. It doesn't matter what kind of L they're trying to give you on your job. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what kind of L you're dealing with your neighborhood. It doesn't matter the L that's coming on in our city. It doesn't matter the L that is happening in our nation. It doesn't matter. It is, he is the A and the L and the L, and he is the all inside of all. Somebody give God praise because he's just all that. He's all that. I'm about to go 45. You ready? He's all that in a bag of chips. So here's what he's saying. He's saying when you understand that I am the word, but not just the words, I'm also the letters. I know I'm pulling you into the deep end today. I'm not just the word. I'm also the letters that create the word. Then you understand, not only am I the word, but I'm also the letters. That means I'm the final word on any subject. When I am the all in every all, then that means I am the final word on every subject. 
So the question we must ask today is why do we always go to him last? Why do we always lead him, leave him in Omega land? When if we will go to him at Alpha, we'll understand the L and the L. Okay. I'm tired, so I'm feeling frisky this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, look at this. I, this is so important. So important for you to get, for us to get. Look at this. How do I keep Jesus, the Alpha and the Omega? How do I keep him not only the word, but also the letters? Hebrews chapter 12. We have just finished the heroes of faith. And let me stop here long enough to say there are a lot of people, in my opinion, that would be disqualified. Jacob was a trickster. Rahab, I mean, I got in trouble for the word I used last week. You don't know what I said? Then you just watched the tape. It's on there. We didn't edit. Did y'all beep it? I didn't cuss. I don't, I don't cuss. I just, I'm a little PG-13, almost R sometimes. But I, I, don't, I try not to foul the language. Rahab was a prostitute. She was a woman of ill repute. She was a lady of the evening. She was a woman who walked the streets in the red light district. She was a... Oh, that's the one you understood. <laughs> it's amazing to me. You, we can't say it here. But Lord have mercy. We'll sing it. It's on already. Oh, never mind. Shut up. Therefore, watch this. We also, this is in light of Hebrews 11, the heroes, the hall of faith here. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, he's reflecting back to what he just told you in Hebrews chapter 11 of all the people that are there. Let us lay aside, come here, Joshua, gra grab a chair for me. Lay aside, let us lay aside. Oh, Jesus. This is why I call him Bam Bam. Everywhere he goes, he makes noise. I can't imagine being in the gym with him. I'm sure it's clanging all the time. Watch this. Um, pick up that chair for me. Just hold it in front of you. Just hold it in front of you. Just hold it straight. There you go. Lock those, on. Lock those elbows. There you go. <laughs> Let us lay aside every weight. And <laughs> he just found out where I was going. Let us lay aside every weight. Did you do shoulders today? No, no, lock those arms, baby. I need you to lock those arms. There we go. You need a spotter? You know? Let us lay aside every weight, watch this, and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. Aren't you glad I'm not making you run? Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I, it is so amazing to me that when we hear the Lord tell us to give something up, we feel like we're actually giving something up that's helping us. When the truth of the matter is, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how muscular you are, I don't care how many leg days you do, how many shoulder days you do, I don't care how jacked up you are, I don't care how many steroids, he doesn't use them, I don't care how many steroids you pump in your body, you better not be using them. 
You better, I don't care how I'll Hulk smash you, okay? <clears throat> it doesn't matter. Sooner or later, you are not going to be able to carry the weight and run the race. Because the weight is going to win or the race is going to win. And you've got to decide which one you're trying to play. Are you trying to play weightlifter? Are you trying to play runner? But there's only one that's got a prize you want at it. You can walk around and flex and tell everybody how much you carry, or you can run the race that is set before you and win the prize of the high call of God and the purpose of God on your life. I don't care how big you are. He is pouring sweat. I don't care how strong you are. Hold it, son. I don't care. Sooner or later, sooner or later, sooner or later, you got to decide how much longer you're going to carry something that was never meant to stay. Do you know how hard it is to watch people drag people? They sh no. Do you know how hard it is to watch people that are full of destiny be so weakened by the people they're dragging with them? The baggage they're carrying with them. Listen, this is why you have to forgive quickly. Is because the longer you hold it, the, the, the more it's costing you. It is exhausting to you being latched on to them. And I need you to hear me today. Forgiveness doesn't set them free for what they did to you. Forgiveness sets you free in spite of what they did to you. That's what forgiveness is all about. You good? All right, come on. You be ready for that second, sir. Watch this. This passage here is for, I'm still in verse 1. This pas passage here is for the person that I'm preaching to today that is just so tired. You wake up tired. You're so tired when you wake up you can't function in the day. But you're so tired at night you can't rest either. That, that, our, that our world is opposite of our realities, that, that we're, we live in the opposite realm, that, that we sleep all day and we're up all night. And, and, and it is in the battlefield of the mind and it seems like it always engages when the lights get turned off. For that person that is tired today, listen, you wake up tired, you go to bed tired. For that person who, who's trying to understand why the, why, why the Lord would want you to lay aside certain things that are not sinful but not helpful. All things may be lawful, but not profitable. And here's Jesus saying, let go of this because it's a weight you were never meant to carry. It is slowing your pace. Run the race. He didn't say lift the weight. He said lay the weight. Run the race. Most of us are lifting the weight, never running the race. When God has called you to run the race. See, when you're a runner, there are people you're running towards and there are people that you are running from. But it doesn't matter whether they're running towards you, you're running towards them or running from them. It's not the point is not them. The point is your race. Okay, so watch this. In light of this race, here's what he says. If you're going to win this race, num verse number two, you must fix your eyes upon Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. In other words, God did not make you to start and not finish. 
Oh, help me here. That he is the author. In other words, he is the originator. That the reason why you and I must fix our eyes on Jesus is because he is the one that wrote it over our life. An author cannot write anything if he doesn't have words. And a word cannot exist unless it has letters. He is the letter, the alpha, and the omega. He's also the words. And he's telling you, I need you to fix your eyes on me for I am the author and the finisher. I need you to understand today that God is a finisher. God is not someone that'll start something and quit something two months later. God does not just start something and shift his mind. God is not schizophrenic. He does not have this bipolar disorder. No, he who has begun a good work in me is faithful to perform that work. He is a finisher. He doesn't start building the house and never finish the house. There is a this that he will start and he will finish it until it is finished. So that ought to be good news for you today that anything God started in your life, he will finish it. He is the author and the finisher. You don't have to go find somebody else to pull you the rest of the way. He was good enough to start with. He'll be good enough to finish with. But what you and I must do is fix our eyes on him. This word fix, it means literally to become fixated. Isn't it interesting that we're only fixated with Jesus on Sundays? To be loved by you means the world to me, Jesus, on Sunday. But when the world comes, how fixated are you? When the political pressure, pressure and posturing of our culture is trying to cancel not only the word, but him as the letters. When they're trying to get you to see that he's not, he, he may be the L, the A, but he's not the L and the L. He's just the optional thing for you to write with. That, that Jesus and Muhammad, Jesus and Buddha, Jesus and the tree outside is whatever you want to worship, you can choose, and that's just your personal preference. Hear me today. You and I must fix our eyes on Jesus. You and I must become fixated with Jesus again. Not what he's doing, but who he is. We, we must become fixated. And hear me today. You cannot be fixated on multiple things. When I am focused on one thing, everything else becomes peripheral. And when I focus on Jesus, everything else becomes peripheral. But when I focus on something other than Jesus, Jesus becomes peripheral. And it is so amazing to me. It's been, the longer he's peripheral, sooner or later he'll just be preferred. And you know you're dealing with someone who has, been, who has allowed Jesus to be in the peripheral view of their life because eventually they'll prefer whether they want to be with him based upon the scenario. Jesus is the focus and everything else must remain peripheral. The perfect picture of this is found in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 14. Verse 22 through 30 something, I believe. <clears throat> and... Jesus sends them out, the disciples, after they've just ministered to the multitude, sends them out on the boat. Jesus sends them onto a boat with the understanding that a storm is coming. He sent them to where trouble was. 
Jesus did not send them around trouble. He sent them to it. I don't know what has happened in us. I'll tell you what's happened to us. We've forgotten who he is. Therefore, we've forgotten who we are in him. He's not the all in all. Because he sent them into trouble. He sent you into trouble. And then Isaiah says that he anointed you for it. My anointing is at its best when life is at its worst. Let me say it again. Your anointing is at its best when life is at its worst. Well, I just don't feel like God wants to use me. No, if he brought you to trouble, it's because he's looking for a conduit, not a con artist. He sent them to where trouble was brewing. Look at this, verse 24. Fixating, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Look at this. And the boat was now in the middle of the sea and tossed by the waves. Watch this. For the wind was contrary. Interesting. The wind was contrary and it manifested in waves going crazy. Most of us get so focused on what's happening in our reality that we never see what's really happening in the unseen. But it's the unseen that's really making the manifestation of the scene. It's not the seen that's making the manifestation of the unseen. Let me help you. It's not what's happening at your job that's stressing you out. It could be the stress that you've not yielded to Jesus that has manifested at your job. Okay, we're not, you're not going to preach for me today, are you? It, it could be that it's not your spouse that's the problem. It could be. <laughs> oh, I wish she was here. Oh. Uh, yeah. It could be that there is an unforeseen thing that is contrary. It could be the fact that you, oh, that you're resentful because he or she is not what you wanted them to be. And now it's manifesting in the, the wind was contrary and it produced the waves. The waves were just the manifestation of what was going on unseen. Have you ever walked up with somebody, walked up to somebody and like they're upset with you and you're like, what in the world went on with you? And you're like, I don't even know what I did, but, but you always feel insecure, you always feel inadequate, you always feel like, man, what did I do this time? There's an unforeseen force there, there's something. I don't know if it's insecurity, I don't know if it's your own personal self-worth, but you're always looking for the proverbial shoe to drop. The wind is contrary. Contrary. The word contrary means in opposition of. The opposite of what it should be doing. It began opposing where the disciples were headed. See, you know you're going in the right direction when the enemy's fighting you. If the enemy never fights you, it's probably because you're in the right current for him. The disciples were headed to a place. The, end, the wind and the waves did not want them to go. It became contrary. Watch this. And, uh, fixing our eyes on Jesus, verse 26. And the disciples saw Jesus in the storm. They saw Jesus. They, they, they caught a glimpse of something walking on the water. And watch this. Because Jesus did not show up like he was before. They said, obviously, this is something for us to be afraid of, too. The Jesus we knew on the shore is not the Jesus we can recognize on top of the water. 
Because Jesus is trying to show you a dimension of himself that you've never seen before. Because not only is he a miracle worker with two fish and five loaves, but he's also a peace speaker. He's also the one that will walk over top of the thing you're stressed out about. The thing that you think is going to kill you may be the thing he's actually under his feet. And you'll never see that he's the God of the storm if you live life on the shore. So here he is walking over top of the thing that they're afraid of. And now because he didn't show up in the way they always recognized him, it can't be him either. And then he speaks. Oh, word. Letters. He says, it's me. Don't be afraid. It's a ghost. I don't, I, it's me? How, wh- why did you say, hey, it's Jesus? J to the E to the S to the U to the S. No, he said, it's me. Don't be afraid. He didn't go, hey guys, you remember the guy who just handled that miracle a few minutes ago? It's me. He did not validate himself in the situation by what he used to do. He said, I'm going to stand in the situation, and if you know my voice, you know who I am. If you know my voice, you know it's me. For my sheep know my voice, and of another they will not follow. He said, yeah, I know the waves are crashing, I know the wind is howling, but I'm giving you my word inside of your situation, and I shouldn't have to validate who I am by what I did. You should know it's me simply by the fact that I'm speaking to you over top of what you're stressed out about. And I love this. Verse 28, Peter says, Lord. Now, now most of us go, oh, Lord. No, I don't think it was Lord. I think it was Lord. Lord. Law. We'll go to country church, right? Loud. If it's you. Look at Jesus. Look, look, at, look at Peter. Look at Peter looking at Jesus. Saying, hold on. If it's you, tell me to get out where you are. Bid me come, King James. Bid me come. Because I would rather be out there with you. Because you're walking over what we're stressed out about. Than be in the same boat with everybody else. Oh, God. Everybody else stressing out about vaccine, not vaccine. Everybody else stressing out about Rona, not Rona. Everybody else stressing out about Democrat or Republican. Everybody else stressing out with border, non-border. But, but Peter said, no, no, no. I've got my eyes fixed on the one who's walking over top of the thing that everybody else is stressed out about. What I want to know is can I live where you are? And the only way I can get there is if you use your words, bid me come, and I'm coming over to where you are because I don't want to be in the same boat with everybody else. It is amazing to me how many believers live in the same boat as everybody else who doesn't believe. We're in the same boat. We're in the same boat. He comes in and he says, Peter, come here. Come here, Peter. Peter is locked in on Jesus. He's fixated on Jesus. 
And that joker. Hold on. He's walking in a miracle. But it didn't matter because he was fixated on Jesus. He's walking in a mess. But it didn't matter because he's fixated on Jesus. It didn't matter if it was a mess. It didn't matter if it was a miracle because the point was not the mess and the point was not the miracle. He was fixated on the one who could fix anything. This is so good. I may listen to this myself. Watch this, verse 30. And when he When he saw that the unseeable thing got big. It didn't say that he saw that the wind, the waves. He says, when he saw the thing he couldn't see the beginning. When he saw the wind become boisterous. Wait a minute. Boisterous. That, that's a word about language. That's a word about being braggadocious. That means, watch this, the wind had a voice. The wind that you couldn't see started saying things. And Peter became fixated on what the words of the unseen thing was. And he became afraid and started to, look at the text, sink. In other words, oh, help me, Holy Spirit. The more steps he took in his miracle, the less fixated on Jesus he became. Could it be that the reason why Jesus is not performing the miracle we want is because we'll get more fixated on the miracle than the miracle worker? That the longer Peter walked in his miracle, the less fixated on Jesus he became. To look at the text to the point to where he sank. Wait, okay. Maybe that's revelation for you. Look at this. Jesus let him sink. Like, okay, let's mess with theology for a second. Jesus allowed him to go under. He allowed what he was fixated on to overwhelm what even Jesus was doing. He allowed it. He, al he allowed what Peter was fi fixed on, what Peter was focused on, to become the focus of Peter, and Jesus allowed himself to be the peripheral. Watch this. For something to remain in the peripheral, it still has to be close. So Jesus allows him to sink. Look at verse 31. So that he could stay close enough 
to grab him by the hand. Watch this. He's sinking in the thing that the guys in the boat still aren't drowning from. But they're afraid of. Here he is in miracle territory, and he's now drowning first. Because he was fixated on Jesus to step into miracle territory, but became so unfixated with Jesus that he started to be the first one to go under. Well, I should have just stayed in the boat. I shouldn't have even tried. I mean, why even go to church? Why even, I mean, I had more fun going to hell. What in the world was going on here? I, I, I should have just stayed in the boat. Peter went, Lord, save me. Save me. What did he do? He took his eyes off of what was happening, and he became refixated with Jesus again. And Jesus reached down and pulled him up. Watch this. It was only a few weeks ago. I'd never seen this until a few weeks ago. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. He said, you a little faith, why did you doubt? And when, look at verse 32. And when they got in the boat, the wind, Jesus didn't calm the storm and then take him to the boat. He walked him back while the winds were still doing what they were doing. He walked him back while the waves were still doing what they were doing. He said, you know what? You were bold enough to say, come to me. You got unfixated on, and you became fixated on other things. And I love you enough to pull you back out. But what, here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to stop the storm until we get back to where it is we need to be. And when he got back in the boat, he got in the boat with Peter. And the wind stopped after they were both back in the boat. It's about remaining fixated. Hear me today. He didn't bring you into miracle territory to leave you in a mess. He is the author and he is the finisher. And that's why you and I must continually fix our eyes on Jesus. The rest of the world will be peripheral. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Hear me. He's God enough to get you the rest of the way. Isaiah 46, 9. Look at this. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, for there is no one like me. There is no one, there is none like me. Watch this. Declaring, here it is, the end from the, declaring the omega from the alpha. Declaring the Z from the A. He says, listen. I am going to declare the end of a thing from the very beginning of the thing. 
In other words, I'm not going to start anything I hadn't already finished first. He went all the way to the end and finished the end. He fixed the end before he ever started in the beginning. God declares the end of a thing from the very beginning. God never starts anything he does not finish first. God will never be an alpha until he's omega first. He'll be omega and the alpha before he's ever the alpha and the omega. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. In other words, everything God starts, he's already completed. He'll never start anything he hadn't already completed because he is a finisher. Let me tell you this this way. If God started healing you, good news, he's already finished your complete healing. If God started delivering you, good news, he's already seen the end of your freedom. I need you to understand, if he started bringing you out, if he started bringing divine health, whatever he who has begun a good work in you is faithful, Philippians 1, 6, is faithful. If he who has begun a good work in you is faithful to perform that work, God will never start anything in you he hadn't already finished first. In in other words, he's not just in the alpha business, he's also in the omega business. He's in to finishing things. Hear me today. What a terrible life we would live to start out with Christ and him not be enough God to get us the rest of the way home. Do you know what I love about being 45? Is I'm in the and. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I'm in the and. I've lived for 44 years in the alpha. Starting this and starting this and starting this and starting this and beginning this and alpha in this and building this and cranking this and grinding this and hustling this. I have lived in the alpha. But at 45, I transitioned to the and. And? Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Come on, man. I I remember when it was Beanie Weenies and box macaroni and cheese, five for a dollar. I remember working at Shoney's and being the bear standing on the side of, y'all don't hear what I'm saying, being the guy for $8 an hour waving in the bear costume, sweating like I'm not going to make it to heaven. You understand? I, I've been, I've been, thanks be unto God. I appreciate everyone. I've been there where we had a, a window unit air conditioner in the living room and a box fan in the hallway to try to get the air in the middle of the night so we didn't sweat to death in the back bedroom. I've been in the Alpha. I've been in the Alpha. Hallelujah. I thank God for the Alpha. He started, He has begun good works. But I'm glad I've lived long enough now to know there's an end. That he's not always just a starter. He's not always just a birther. But he started this and about to do something else. That it's not just for me, but and my children. And my children's children. That he's about to release the and of the other side. I'm so grateful that at 45, I'm now in the and season. Because I'm closer now than ever to the omega. Oh, Pastor, that's morbid. No, it's not. 
Are you crazy? To be absent from this body. Now see, if you live in alpha mode, that's terrifying to you. But now that I've crossed over into and territory, I'm like, wait a minute. Oh God, before I was formed in my mother's womb, and I'm going to get to return back there too? I'm, oh God, I have now transitioned into the and territory to where I'm looking to go, and these present sufferings do not compare to the glory which awaits. I'm now in the and mode. Oh God, here we go. You ready? And we know that all things work together for the good of them who love him and are called according to his purpose. I thank God for moving into the end. You ought to be excited to look like me one day. I was at a Christian school this, this weekend doing another ministry revival thing. And they said, hey, one little kid, his little butt kisser, comes up. I'm sorry, sycophant. Is that better for you? He's sycophant. That's an SAT word right there, sycophant. Sycophant, depending on how you want to translate. Comes up, he goes, PG, I don't know how old you are. I said, how old do you think I am? Oh, you got to be 29. I said, boy, shut up. <laughs> Either you don't know what 29 is. Shut up. I have earned every gray hair. I ain't painting none of it. How, you don't hear what I'm saying? I, I don't care how much of it falls out. I have, listen, half of y'all are the reason for all this. I had one of the, one of the students that's been with us for me, actually on staff, she, she looked at me at the end of the service, and I'm sitting down after dealing another, yet another youth service. And she says, you know, I was looking at you while you were preaching. I said, well, that's a good thing. And she said, Becca, dirty doll. She said, I didn't realize how much you've aged since I've known you. It's like, and I pay you for what? And it took me a minute, and I went, hold on a second. Say that again. I haven't realized, I didn't realize how much you've aged since I've known you. I said, it could it be that the reason I've aged is because you've known me? <laughs> could it be that the reason I look like I look is because you started showing up? Maybe you did this to me. And I pay you for what? But I'm going to tell you, in the end, I've earned every, every gray hair. <laughs> Some of y'all know, because you put me through it. I'm just kidding, sort of. Come on, Chrisanne. I'm so thankful today that he's not just the A and just the Z, but he's everything else in between. I'm in the stage now to where I'm kind of grasping if it had not been for the Lord on my side, my enemies would have won. So, he's in the Omega business. I'm, I'm back in Revelation now. He's in the Omega business. 
you know what? I wasn't going to do this, but. When a, one of the reasons why I, I invite them to bring the table in, we're moving, we're, we're, we're getting things ready, and I keep my Bible closed, is because inside the beginning of my Bible is my dad, the memorial of my dad. And I know instinctively before I open up this word that if it was not for what he and my mother was, my grandparents, my great-grandparents, I'm living out legacy today. And yet, he's not here, but he's in that cloud of witnesses. What I say is he's in the stands. He's in the stands. According to scripture, he's in the stands. And when I open up the word of God, get ready to open, I always flip to the front first, catch a glimpse of him to remind myself of where I'm going. That what I'm preaching today is not about now, it's about forever. That the words I give will ring to the point to where I'll stand before God and hear them again in eternity. Scripture, you'll be held accountable for every word. So I keep him in the front of God's book as a reminder. Living epistle for me. Life is just a vapor. Early 60s, gone from this planet, gone from this earth. That I am not promised that every one of you will be back next week. And I'm not declaring death. It may just be a different path. My one shot. I want you to hear me. He's Alpha and Omega. See, the power of this passage in, in Revelation 22, verse 13, is not 13. It's really what builds you to 13. By the time he gets to 13, it's shouting time. And I think so many times we lose sight of what this, the end result is really about. Listen, it is not about surviving on this planet. Hear me. Life is not about here. You are an eternal being. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And if you have to live single the rest of this life, it is just a blip in the radar of your existence. If you have, oh God, if you have to live whatever void that you think is a deficit to you, whatever labor that you feel like you have to carry in this life, even if you have to carry it the rest of your days, it is a blip in the radar of who you really are. That when he says he's the end, listen, the end is so much longer than the beginning. And I'm afraid, like Jacob and Esau, Esau sold his birthright because his flesh was craving food and he gave away his spiritual inheritance for beans. And we look at the situation and we go, oh man, there's no way I would do that. Yet I wonder how many of us sell out for so far less. The power of 13 is in the first 12. I'm going to read them 
and then we're going to pray. Watch this. John has come in. He's on the Isle of Patmos. He's gotten a revelation of the Lord. An angel has now come down. Look at the text. And he says, and he showed me a pure river of water. A, a water of life, clear, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb, speaking of Jesus. And in the middle of its streets and on either side of the river was the tree of life, which bore 12 fruits, each yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, verse 3, and there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. Watch this. And there will be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun for the Lord gives them light and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said to me these words are faithful and these words are true and the Lord God of the holy prophet sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. Look at verse 7. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of the book. Now I, John, I saw and heard these things. And when I heard and I saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. Look at the angelic host. He said, he said to me, see that you do not do that. For I I am your fellow servant and for and of your brethren the prophets and those who keep the words of this book worship God. What he's saying was, yes, God's using me, but only worship belongs to Jesus. Yes, God's allowing me to show you some things, but worship only belongs to Jesus. And he said to me, watch this, do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Watch this, for he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let let him be holy still. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning, and I am the end. I'm the first, and I am the last. Somebody who loves Jesus ought to get up on your feet and give him the praise.
is the Lamb. in the Alpha season to give Him praise. I, I want every person in your Omega season to give Him praise. I, I want every person that's in the and uh, season. Let's just lift up our voices and decree how worthy He is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, the whole earth is full of your glory. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, man. Thank you, Jesus. I said, you don't understand, I'm going through hell, going through hell. Well, I just want you to know, he's every letter. You see hell, he sees the H, is heaven. You see hell, he sees the E, everlasting. You see hell, he, see, he sees his love. You see, oh, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. You see the hell, he sees the long suffering that he has for you. I want you to know. You're not going through hell. You're going through every letter. <laughs> He's the A to the Z. He's every letter. He's every letter. He's every letter. He's every letter. We worship you. Our Lord. Father, thank you for your presence that we feel in this room in this moment. You're worthy. And you have deemed us worthy by taking on your righteousness. So we put on the righteousness of Christ today. We thank you that you're not just with us with every step. that you are the author of every letter, of every word that's ever spoken over our life. I thank you, God, for every letter. I thank you for every letter. I thank you that, A, you are the almighty, you are the author, and you are the alpha. I thank you that you're B, you're the bread of life. I thank you that you're C, 
You're the chief cornerstone that the builders rejected. I thank you that you're D. You're my defender, you're my deliverer, and you're my door. I thank you for E, that you're the eternal, everlasting father of the age. I thank you for F, that you're the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead. I thank you for G, that you are great and greatly to be praised. I thank you that you're H, you're my high priest and you are my hope. I thank you for I, that you simply said, I'm so much of everything, just tell everybody I am. I thank you that J, you are Jehovah and the judge of the nations. I thank you for K, that you're the king of every king and you're the Lord of every Lord and you are the king of glory. I thank you for L, you're the lamb of God that was slain before the foundations of the earth. I thank you for M today, for you are merciful and you are the mediator between God and man. I, I thank you for N, that you are the Nazarene and the natural branch from the root of Jesse. I, I thank you that you are omnipotent, oh, you're omnipresent, oh, and you're the all-knowing God of the universe. I, I thank you for P. I thank you that you are my peace. I, I thank you for Q, that you are quick with understanding. I, I thank you for R, that you are the refuge, you are the root of Jesse, and you are the rock that is higher than I. I thank you for S, that you are the son of righteousness with healing in your wings, that you are my strength and my shield. I, I thank you for T, that you are the truth and the true life. I thank you for you. You're the one who understands and guides. I, I thank you for V, that you are the true vine. I thank you for W, that you're worthy, that you're a wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I thank you for X, because you are the examiner of my soul. You are the examiner of my heart. You are the easy yoke giver today. And, and I thank you for Z, that you're the zeal of the house of Israel. I need you to know today that he is every letter, A to Z, Alpha, Omega, beginning, end, first, last, worthy of praise. Somebody one last time. We give you. So glad that you joined us today at Judah Church and I'm so thankful that Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the first and the last 
the beginning mm-hmm. and the end. And because he is all those things at the same time, that means, as the Bible says, he goes before us, mm-hmm. making our crooked path straight. Mm-hmm. And he is going before you right now. And maybe you're on a crooked path. Maybe you're on a path where you don't know where it's going to lead, where it doesn't make you feel great. Jesus is going before you and he's brought you to this opportunity right now for this time so that you can get back on the right path, on that path that he's put ahead of you. All it takes is just accepting him as the Lord of your life and believing that he has been raised from the dead for you and you can be saved. So right now, wherever you are, whether you're at work, whether you're in your cubicle, whether you're at home, in your living room, your bedroom, wherever you are, You can take this opportunity for a moment of salvation. All you've got to do is say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I know I'm going the wrong way, but I want to walk in your path, Lord. Help me to be the person you've created me to be. God, I believe that you came, you lived, and you died for me, and I believe that you're coming back for me again. I accept you as my Lord. I accept you as my Savior, and I want to live for you in everything I do. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you pray that prayer, you are saved. You're a part of the family now. And we're so excited that you did that. We just want to hear from you. If you did that, just leave a comment down below. Let us know or send us an email, info at judachurch.org, and let us know that you made a decision for Christ today. We just want to remind you about the ways that you can give here at Judah if you're given offerings or if you're given tithes. You're more than welcome to text. You're more than welcome to download our app. It's super easy. Or you can also mail in a check if you'd like to. Just make sure that you get in line with the blessings that he gives when you give your tithe and offering to him. Hey Judah, if you've been watching online or coming for a while and you want to know more about our vision or to get connected, your next step is Growth Track. Our four-week class is on Sunday mornings at 9.15 during our first worship experience. For more information or to sign up, go to our Judah Church app. Hey Judah family, I'm so excited to tell you about our May 9th Mother's Day worship experience. We are asking you to bring your mothers, bring your sisters, bring your friends. We want you to bring all the mothers in your life to our 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services. We will also have an opportunity for you to take family photos. So join us, bring everyone you can. We're so excited to see you. Revival is here. 
And before we leave today, I just want to bless you with Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 11. May the Lord, the God of your fathers, make you a thousand times more than what you are and fulfill every promise that he's given you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week.